How do you get into the kingdom of heaven? Is it just my parents go to church and so I'm in, I'm good to go? Is it, well, I do nice things for other people, so I get in. Do you have to have a golden ticket? Maybe if you have enough money, you can buy your way in. Maybe it's just I obey all the commandments in the Old Testament, and then I can get into heaven. Or maybe you think, I'm just not going to be as bad as the people around me, and I'll be a little bit better than them, and then I'll get in. Well, the Bible teaches a really different story. It teaches that what we need is faith. Last Sunday in our church, we sang a hymn called, Come Ye Sinners, Poor and Needy. And one line in there is, All the fitness he requires is to feel your need of him. What's required to get into the kingdom of heaven is not good works and not obedience, because frankly, we can't do it good enough. It's feeling our need of Jesus and having faith in him. That's what's needed. We simply need to come. And we're going to hear about that today as we read. I'm so glad that you've joined me today on Audacious Arrows, where we're becoming recklessly bold men and women of faith through the power of God's word. Well, today we're going to keep going in the book of Matthew. We're going to read four short stories, and each one of them highlights something about faith in Jesus. Before we start, I want to go through and give you a little bit of context for a few things. One is we're going to meet a paralytic. We've talked about a paralytic before, but this is someone who, uh, perhaps because of some kind of injury on their back, cannot move their legs, possibly their arms as well. We're also going to see the word blasphemy. Um, Blasphemy was a sin that involved using God's name wrongly. So it could be using God's name as a swear word. Um, That's kind of the thing that we see in our culture today often. Or sometimes people will say using God's name in vain. Same thing. So you're misrepresenting God by using his name as a swear word. Um, Another form of blasphemy would be calling something God that is not God. Um, So if someone said, I'm God, and they weren't, that would be a form of blasphemy. It's using God's name wrongly and sacrilegiously. We're also going to meet a tax collector. Now, if you're familiar with the Bible, you know that tax collectors weren't exactly liked by anyone during this time period. So let's talk a little bit about what that was about. Um... Taxes in and of themselves aren't bad. Your parents pay taxes to the government, and the government uses that money to do things like build roads and pay police officers and um, pay for all sorts of other programs, many of which are good and help our society to function well. Um, The problem comes when a government is requiring too many taxes of its citizens, and the citizens can't, um, can't have a good quality of life as a result. And that's kind of what was happening during this time. The Jewish people were under Roman rule, um, and so the Romans were requiring them to pay taxes, and they were requiring them to pay a lot of taxes. Now, as much as taxes may be a good thing, I don't think anybody (laughs) enjoys paying taxes. Um, And the Matthew we're going to meet today um, was a tax collector. So he was a Jewish person who had... 
um, taken a job working for the Romans to collect taxes from other Jewish people. So the people in his community really did not like him. Um, often tax collectors would take um, extra money and like steal some of it. Um, I don't know if Matthew did that or not, but that was often the case. Um, and they would get um, their fellow Jewish brothers and sisters into trouble with the Romans if they couldn't pay their taxes. Um, they, so they weren't really liked. Um, they maybe were disowned by their families. They probably didn't have a lot of friends. Um, people generally avoided them because of that. We're also going to hear about fasting a little bit. And as we know, fasting is avoiding food for a period of time for usually for like religious reasons. Um, and there's a few metaphors that Jesus is going to use. And I think they're a little hard to understand, but I think you can get it if you pay attention to what he's talking about with old and new. Um, so think about if you're going to fix something that's old, you don't want to use a brand new material to fix it. You want to use something that matches, right? Or if you're going to fix something that's brand new, you want to use something that's the same in order to fix it. Um, mixing up old and new often just doesn't work. So that's something to keep in mind, and I think that'll help you understand those metaphors a little bit. All right, we're going to dive in. We're in Matthew chapter 9. So in your Bible, find the book of Matthew, and then find the big number 9, and we're going to be right there in verse 1 at the beginning of chapter 9. And getting into a boat, he crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic, lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier, to say, Your sins are forgiven? or to say, rise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and went home. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid and they glorified God who had given such authority to men. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when they heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Then the disciples of John came to him, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment for the patch tears away from the garment, and the worst tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. 
If it is, the skins burst and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, and so both are preserved. While he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for twelve years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, If I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, Go away, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went through all that district. Well, let's talk about these four stories that we just read. The first one, Jesus heals this paralytic. Before he does it, he forgives his sins. Now, the scribes get mad and they say he's blaspheming. Why do they do that? Well, who can forgive sins? Who can forgive your sins? Can your mom forgive your sins against God? Can your brother forgive your sins against God? Nope, only God can forgive your sins. Um, because he's the one you sinned against. It's kind of like if you break your brother's toy, you go and ask for forgiveness from your brother. You don't go ask your sister for forgiveness. If you steal your mom's earrings, you need to go and ask your mom for forgiveness. You don't go to your dad and say, will you forgive me for stealing mom's earrings? You go to your mom and because she's the one that you wronged. Well, the same is true with our sins. Our, all of our sins are against God, and so he is the one we need to seek forgiveness from. So when Jesus said, your sins are forgiven, the scribes immediately thought, he, only God can forgive sins. He's calling himself God, and they got mad about it. Well, Jesus proved that he did have the authority to forgive sins, um, and he proved it with a miracle. He proved it by healing this man's legs and he got up and walked and took his bed and went home. Um, and so this miracle, which is no one can, no human being can do, proves that Jesus is more than just a human being. He's God. And so he does have the authority to forgive sins as well, which is a beautiful, beautiful thing. It should make us love Jesus even more. And then Jesus calls Matthew, this tax collector who probably nobody liked, Nobody wanted to talk to you. And Jesus comes up to him and says, follow me. Can you imagine what that would have felt like for Matthew? And Matthew does. He follows him. And Jesus reclines at the table with him, with tax collectors and sinners, people that weren't like the good people of society. And the Pharisees got mad about it again because they thought, well, Jesus, this teacher, should be hanging out with the important people, the good people like us. And he wasn't. He was hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. But Jesus says, who, who needs a doctor? Is it people who are sick or people who are healthy? Well, people who are sick are the ones who really need a doctor. Um, and so who is it that needs a savior? Is it people who are good or people who are sinners? 
Well, people who are sinners are the ones who need a savior. And that's who Jesus was. He's the savior. So he came to seek and to save what was lost. He came to seek and to save sinners. So of course he's hanging out with sinners. All right, now we get into the question about fasting. So the disciples of John, that's John the Baptist, come up to Jesus and they are asking him, hey, why aren't your disciples fasting? We all fast, the Pharisees fast, everyone fasts, it's what we do. Um, and Jesus basically says it's because I'm here with them. Fasting, in many ways, was an expression of longing for God, saying I need you, I want you to be here more than I want food. And, um, and it was like an Old Testament ritual, and Jesus is saying, well, they don't need to do that because I'm sitting right here with them. They have no need to long for me because I'm right here with them. And then he goes on and he uses these metaphors about um, new things and old things, right? There's the, there's the unshrunk cloth and the new cloth, and there's the new wine and the old wineskins. And those things just don't fit together. Some of the things um, from the Old Testament like offering sacrifices, the old way of fasting, just doesn't quite fit. Jesus is bringing something new. The kingdom of heaven, he's ushering in, and it's a new thing. And so um, some of the old ways of doing things just weren't going to fit anymore. All right, next we go and we look at um, these two examples of faith. We have this ruler who comes in, and his daughter has died. It's so sad, but he comes, and he says, Lay your hand on her, and she will live. That's some faith right there. If someone is dead, I mean, you don't expect them to come back to life, but this ruler knows he has faith in who Jesus is. He knows he is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Um, and so he goes to him and he knows if you lay your hand on her, she can come back to life. And Jesus goes with him and exactly that happens. He says the little girl is not dead, but she's just sleeping. And he goes and he takes her by the hand and she gets up is just amazing and then on the way there this woman comes up to him who has a discharge of blood for 12 years so um, that would have made her unclean kind of like the leper that we talked about in a few episodes ago um, so other people couldn't have touched her without making themselves unclean as well so 12 years she basically hasn't been able to be around other people um, which is really sad. This is, this is awful. And that's a long time um, to have blood. Um, so this, is, this woman was very sick, really suffering a lot. But she has faith in who Jesus is. She knows, all, if I even just touch his clothes, just the fringe of his garment, I will be made well. And Jesus does heal her. Um, and he says to her, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. Now, why does her faith make her well? What is it about that, that that works? Is it just have faith and it'll all be okay? Faith has to have an object. We have to have faith in something else. So what did she have faith in? Who did she have faith in? She had faith in Jesus. Faith by itself is just nothing. You have to have faith in someone, namely Jesus. Jesus is the one who heals her. Um, and he heals her because she believes he is who he says he is. Um, she knows that he is the Messiah, the Savior. All right, let's talk about our memory verse for this week. This week we're working on Philippians chapter 3, 
verses 10 and 11. They say, That I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. What do we want? We want to be part of the kingdom of God. We want to attain the resurrection from the dead. We want to know him. We want to see him. Who's him? Jesus. We've memorized verses 7, 8, and 9, and this week we're working on 10 and 11. So I want to just read that whole part to you, starting in verse 7. This is Paul, the Apostle Paul, writing. He says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Well, thank you so much for joining me and reading the Bible with me today. Um, In the description below, I have a few things about where to find memory verse cards, um, where to find my website, and how to follow me on Facebook. So you can check those things out, and we'll see you next time.